Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and this week we are talking about France and the future of Europe. After Brexit and Trump, many people are asking if the next big upset on the political calendar will be a President Le Pen in the French elections next May. We're in a crucial week now where the centre-right party, Les Républicains, is choosing its candidate to be president. Emmanuel Macron, the former economy minister, has thrown his hat in the ring and many people are wondering what the socialists are going to do. To help us make sense of this, I have two amazing guests. First up is Christine Ocrent, a journalist who has done more to explain Europe to France and France to the world than almost anyone else. She has presented most of the main news programs in France over the years and is currently um, the presenter of Affaires étrangères, which is an amazing weekly foreign affairs program on France Culture. Also from Paris, we have François Godemont, my colleague from ECFR, who is the director of the Asia and China program and a frequent guest on the podcast. So, Christine, do you want to go first and, and tell us what's happening? Obviously, we're looking at all these things through the mirror of the Trump election, which is, I think, one of the things which has got many people worried about France. Of course, uh, you're absolutely right, uh, except there's one person who is extremely happy with uh, Donald Trump's victory, and it's, of course, Marine Le Pen, who, uh, on, you know, last Wednesday, when everybody else was actually trying to, to swallow the news, she rushed to the media, uh, beaming, uh, actually, as if she uh, was the one about to enter the Oval Office. And what is interesting is that uh, she, of course, uh, prides herself of uh, being the anti-system, anti-establishment uh, pioneer in, in our uh, political scene, which uh, is a very stilted one with... Uh, politicians who, even when they fail and when they are kicked out, uh, tend to come back. Uh, and that's actually what the conservative primaries uh, are showing these days. But um, also, based almost on the same, at the same time, you have Emmanuel Macron, uh, who declared his own bid for the presidential election, and saying he too is anti-system. Uh, well, that's a little bit difficult for him to to actually maintain because, you know, he's typically a, a, a product, a very well-polished uh, product of the system. But nevertheless, you have these two uh, characters uh, who have the, who, who are now at the center of our political chessboard. And in the meantime, we have the conservative primaries where uh, among the seven uh, people competing, all but one have been, uh, you know, government uh, uh, members and even one uh, former president. So these primaries are actually 
uh, heating up all rivalries and even some hatred, but not refreshing the political offer which uh, the French public is longing for. So we should talk also about uh, what's going to happen on the centre-left. But maybe before we do that, uh, François, you've been watching the primaries, which I think are going to come to a conclusion over the weekend on Sunday. Over um, next weekend and the Sunday after. So the round of. do you want to tell us a bit more about who the, the runners and riders are and, and who you think is going to win? Well, first of all, we see, how should I say, we are leaving more and more the Gaullist constitutional system for a quasi-American system where the primaries are, you know, not only watched for, but people will actually turn out and vote. How many of them, we don't know. But it's the first time that this has such a strong influence. Uh, and so... And they're, everybody, an open, they're an open primary, aren't they? So They are an open primary, but there is a big question mark on who actually will come to vote. Yeah. How much? Uh, but anyone can just pay a few euros and, and pay a vote. few euros, but also subscribe to a text that you uh, approve the values of the center and the right, or the right and the center, whatever they are. So it's a bit complex. But as you know, lying in a Catholic culture is not taken in the same uh, uh, strict way as in a Protestant Anglo-Saxon culture. So it leaves still leaves some room for margin. What strikes me, of course, is every Frenchman knows that the person who will emerge from those primaries is likely to be the one facing off uh, Marine Le Pen uh, next May. Uh, of course, uh, Christine is right to mention Mr. Macron, but as yet, he's a kind of lonely star appearing. Uh, he's undercut both within the Socialist Party and within the right. He is not really representing something very anti-systemic, as you pointed out. So I would not consider him at present. What fascinates me uh, in those primaries is that there is actually a, a much tighter race than expected between the three main candidates of the right. Uh, Juppé, who still leads in some polls, but not all, and doesn't lead when it's really the voters of the right, the uh, people who declare themselves as supporters of Les Républicains, the, the main conservative party. In that case, it's Sarkozy who leads. Uh, then we have usually second uh, Sarkozy, but Fillon, the most liberal and clipped candidate, former prime minister of Sarkozy, has managed to climb in third. And they are pointing out to differences between themselves. Uh, for example, only Mr. Sarkozy really derives a lesson from the Trump experience. He's in fact also trying to ride it on it by saying that he has to represent the anger of voters. So he's competing uh, with Marine Le Pen, figuring that, you know, in order to counter a wave, you have to ride it first. Uh, Fillon and Juppé, especially yesterday, to me sounded much more indifferent and much more trying to see, to present themselves as the uh, moderate, rational, cool, uh, middle of the road, uh, expression, even though some of points in their program are actually very much on the right. So that is already uh, a very big difference. So, um, Christine, who do you think has got the best chance of beating uh, Marine Le Pen? Because some people have, have worried that Alain Juppé might be a sort of French Hillary Clinton, someone who uh, is enormously <laughs> well qualified and um, uh, 
you know, obviously a very sane and, and, and competent person, but maybe not necessarily the most exciting uh, or fresh face that would be on the ballots if he does win. Uh, he's certainly no fresh face, and uh, his style, his manner, and even his arguments are indeed very uh, 20th century. At the same time, in a country uh, which is still under the shock of terrorist attacks uh, and uh, facing uh, François Hollande, uh, who, as president, has indeed maintained some dignity at the time of the terrorist attacks, but uh, whose uh, reputation and and uh, uh, record uh, are now so poor, uh, the, the assumption is that the French are really looking for someone like Juppé, uh, statesman-like, uh, reassuring, a bit, uh, you know, paternalistic, and, and doing things at his pace. Juppé was smart enough to say he would only serve one term, uh, which means that he would have, he wouldn't be shy about uh, actually uh, doing what he says he would do uh, and not really care about getting reelected. Uh, on the other hand, his program is, is very tame indeed. And the problem with uh, all these conservative candidates, starting, of course, with Nicolas Sarkozy, is that whenever they say something, one feels like reporting back, okay, fine, but you were in power not that long ago, so why, why didn't you do it? Uh, but to answer your, your question, I think Juppé still has the best chances to actually uh, fight and win over Marine Le Pen. The, uh, the, the, the question mark in France, uh, as opposed to the US, I believe, is what is the degree of social and economic anger? It's one thing to have social and economic dissatisfaction, but anger against the system, that is something, it has been Marine Le Pen's argument, again, even before Donald Trump uh, chose the Republican banner to, to, to try his uh, uh, reality TV slogans. Uh, and indeed, Marie Le Pen has been credited with 25% of the votes even before Trump's victory. 25% uh, of the votes for the first round of the presidential uh, election uh, at the end of April next year. To what extent does she need to stir up anger against the system and to what extent does she need to pursue what has been very successful for her, uh, which is trying to transform the, far, the French far right into uh, a more respectable uh, political party, and indeed more establishment, in a sense. And so that's the paradox, in my view, of the Trump effect over Le Pen. Uh, I think it still reinforces Juppé, more than it would reinforce Sarkozy, uh, because as Francois said, Sarkozy has been sticking to the far-right argument. Uh, and so, you know, it's easy for Le Pen to say, okay, I mean, uh, don't buy the fake, uh, go for the real stuff. Do you agree with that, Francois? 
Not completely. It's true that Mrs. Le Pen is already running what you could call a second round campaign. She's in fact even stealing some images from Mitterrand's old campaign in 81. And, and, and you know, she's for everything that's against and against everything that's for. And right now it sells uh, because nobody is really checking uh, her propositions. And in fact, she doesn't have that many propositions. She's only against what's being proposed by others. The problem with Juppé, I mean, he's had, his qualities are also his defects. The redeeming quality for the French is that subliminally he promises not to change much. Uh, there is a sense that he might continue where Chirac left off. Uh, the happy old days, you know, which weren't that happy, actually, but people think by comparison <laughs> that we had a real presidency uh, and, and that France was more respected uh, and so on. Uh, the downside... Uh, is that if, if elected, he wouldn't have a real mandate for change. He would be immediately challenged. That brings the other Juppé, which sometimes come through the uh, interviews and the, uh, and the debates, uh, the Juppé who suddenly, uh, uh, you know, uh, barks back uh, and gets into a conflict, which has happened so often over time. By comparison, Fillon, by the way, who has been clearly the most argumentative uh, voice and, and I think that's why he has certainly surged ahead in the debate when he was seen as a kind of pale number two to Sarkozy. Uh, Fillon is consistently liberal. The other candidates, in fact, pointed out that he'll have a lot of opposition. He's saying very frankly, I'm saying what I'll do before I get elected. Uh, it's a very tough road, but he's also the least European of the three. Uh, He's the least European almost by constitution because he voted against Maastricht uh, some years back. Uh, and therefore, he's not going to be trapped by Marie Le Pen, in the, you know, who will be scapegoating Europe when she campaigns uh, and trying to ridicule whoever runs against her. That's, by the way, one theme which yesterday the journalist hardly raised. Uh, I mm. think it was Fillon who complained about it. Uh, it's quite interesting that the French journalists who were there were interested in small scandals, were interested in the usual questions about education and so forth. Europe hardly figured. As to Sarko, as we call him, uh, he's doing a first-round campaign. It's essentially aimed at the core voters of Les Républicains, and we know he's flexible enough to change right after and to develop wider themes. He's done it so often in the past. So, in terms of uh, campaigning, I think Juppé would be in the most difficult position, in fact, facing Le Pen, uh, who is always smiling and benign, very different from Trump, by the way, uh, although she's a very tough and biting woman when she wants. Uh, he will be in the point of view of defending decades, generations of political life. Uh, he is the most consistently European in the sense that he proclaims himself. He's proclaimed himself in the past a federalist, and she will re remind him of that. Uh, and I think he will be in a tight spot. So um, we should talk about the, the left uh, uh, shortly, but maybe before we do that, can you, um, Christine, maybe tell us a bit about what those different candidates have said about Europe? I mean, what does... 
French European policy look like with Sarkozy, with Juppé, with Fillon? What are the main differences between those three? Then we should talk about the socialists and then we should come to the Le Pen vision for the future of Europe after that. But, but maybe if, if you could tell us a bit about the, the Republicans. Well, uh, frankly, it's, uh, it's difficult to answer because as Francois just pointed out, Europe has hardly been mentioned in the three TV debates uh, over the past two weeks. <clears throat> and, of course, we know about uh, each of the three main candidates, uh, European uh, uh, itinerary, so to speak. Um, last night at uh, the, the last debate, uh, Juppé was asked what he would do about Europe. He said, I'm, a, I'm pro-European, but we have to, to recognize that the EU is in crisis, it has to be uh, relaunched, and so on and so forth. And my idea would be uh, a great conference with the best European minds. Well, that's sort of nice, but it doesn't really uh, show a very uh, proactive or indeed a very well-argumented plan for, for action. Uh, Sarkozy uh, complains uh, about the fact that France has lost so much uh, status and influence uh, within Europe. Uh, And that was just the day before uh, President Obama in Berlin uh, met with uh, the the various other European leaders uh, as the host of Madame Merkel. And as to François Fillon, uh, he's never been uh, a pro. Uh, e- he's never been an EU activist uh, at all. I mean, he, he actually voted against Maastricht, but that was the case of Laurent Fabius, who was Hollande's uh, foreign minister not that long ago. Uh, he, the thing about Fillon, he's very pro. Uh, I wouldn't say he's pro Putin, but he's very pro Russian. He's very uh, much influenced by one of his closest friends uh, who is of uh, white Russian descent and who <clears throat> believes in the old Gaulish theory, the l'Atlantique à l'Oural, and that Russia has to be brought back uh, to the Concert des Nations. I mean, it's, a, it's very, at the same time, romantic and, and you know, quite realistic approach to what... Uh, uh, Mr. Putin's rule should be, and uh, actually, in 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 François Fillon's uh, program, in what he has said about Europe, he has talked more about Russia than he actually has talked uh, about the EU. So, to sum it up, I think none of them has any uh, clear uh, idea of uh, what uh, should be. Uh, a, a, if he, if either one of the three becomes president next May, uh, what would be uh, the French uh, uh, intentions and the French plan to relaunch Europe? It's still very hazy uh, in all circumstances. It's funny that uh, you say they've been so quiet in France because uh, Nicolas Sarkozy has, has just published a yes. in the Financial Times yeah. where he talks about 
it is admittedly not a very detailed blueprint, but he, he essentially talks about more integration of the of the eurozone, le- uh, less Europe for for the rest of the EU, and um, no more enlargement, particularly not Turkey, but not even the Balkans, and a big push on immigration with uh, a new Schengen shared asylum policies. Um, rules to stop foreigners getting benefits and uh, and much more kind of aggressive policing and uh, uh, and aid tied to uh, com- countries helping the EU deal with illegal immigration. Yeah, yes, but, Mark, I mean, yes, yes. The, the, sorry, François, but the timing of that piece, which got no attention whatsoever, as far as I can tell. In Paris. Yeah, no, I was surprised too uh, that he made it appear in English just two days before the yeah. before the. But yeah. to come back to it, each has his own contradictions. Fillon openly says he's for the Europe of nations. The old Gaulist phrase, which really has no uh, constitutional reality. Yet he also advocates a very strong Frontex. He advocates deeper economic integration. I don't know how he manages both, how he balances one with the other. It's completely unclear. Uh, Juppé uh, is perhaps the one who leans more consistently to Europe, but has made reservation. He asked for a new Schengen. Uh, of course, I would say, because public opinion will call for it. Uh, and as to Sarkozy, I, I'm less sanguine than you are, Mark, because after all, it's very close to the two-step or two-speed Europe that was advocated, and it's a big effort also by Sarkozy, which he had already made publicly to try and at some point bring the British back uh, into some kind of European construction by saying, A, they were wrong to leave, B, they were right that Europe has been overextended, it should be more intensive for those who can and lighter for those who won't. It's, It's not stupid. Uh, the problem, of course, is he doesn't explain how he's going to achieve it from a, a, a weak uh, French point of view. But do you uh, think that he's actually thinking about the future of Europe or do you think he's just trying to get French people based in London to vote for him in the um, in the <laughs> primaries? Yeah, that's a good remark, which I hadn't thought of, but it does it does exist. Yes, just like everybody. Just like London is. It's the like fifth or sixth. And and, and 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 so forth. Yes, that's 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 true. But he has been. I mean, his presidential experience was quite European. Uh, so I wouldn't discount that there is some thinking uh, there. And I think the differences that are being revealed uh, are real. I mean, Fillon has a quasi-British conservative program, which is first make France great, great again with tough liberal reforms that really sound like Thatcher, uh, and then we'll get back and talk to you people in Europe. Uh, which but should if, I, if, I may, if I may just, you know, add to that, the problem is they may have, the, I mean, they surely have the, the difference that François uh, is pointing out, but the problem is they're not telling the French what they want to do with Europe. Yeah. So it's going to be once more, uh, you know, one of those uh, political cycles where uh, politicians and journalists alike will yawn and say, oh, let's not talk about Europe because people get so bored. And then eventually, uh, for the, the sophisticated crowds, for the FD or, or, or you know, other 
sort of uh, very uh, specific audiences, uh, they will eventually say something. But it, the, the, the issue is, of course, to talk about the, the very large audience and not yeah. let Marine Le Pen hit upon Brussels yeah. uh, as indeed the scapegoat and the, uh, the explanation of all that's wrong with France. So I'd like to come to Marine Le Pen in a, in, a, in a little bit. But before we do that, we should talk about the centre-left because there was an assumption uh, that François Hollande would be the Socialist Party's candidate. Um, and many people um, uh, thought that uh, he might find that his approval ratings went up as we got closer to polling day. That hasn't yet happened there is going to be a primary amongst the Socialist Party. But can you explain both how that's going to happen procedurally and what you think the likely outcome will be? Maybe, Christine, you could start again with that. Well, first of all, it's, it's really amazing to think in, in, the, in the sort of legend of the Fifth Republic that the uh, outgoing president would need to go through a primary of his own party to actually legitimise a new candidacy. It already says a lot about uh, the, the, the very uh, poor state where François Hollande uh, is now, and even some of his closest advisors are still pondering over the opportunity of his running. I, I believe he will run, if only because that's what he loves to do. And, uh, you know, he's been the politician all his life, so what else would he do? Uh, there is a very perverse scenario uh, circulating in some circles. I don't know whether François has heard the same. That, indeed, uh, Macron uh, has announced his own candidacy with the idea of stopping Manuel Valls, the prime minister, from shortcutting François Hollande. In that scenario, it would mean that Macron would actually help Hollande and uh, withdraw in the case that Hollande uh, announces that he runs. Because the, the actual rival to François Hollande now is Manuel Valls, the prime minister who has the, the best credentials, uh, so to speak, to pick up uh, whatever uh, can be uh, promoted. Of, of the uh, inheritance, so to speak. And so Manuel Valls uh, is trying very hard to say, I'm the one who can actually defeat Marine Le Pen. He cannot say, uh, I'm the one who, who, who should run instead of Hollande, but you have a triangle there, which is worth uh, keeping a close look at. So, um is it clear, François, that, that it's either going to be Valls or Hollande? I think Hollande will run because he's what he's done all his life and he's not impressed. Uh, he was Mr. 2% uh, just one year before becoming president. Uh, now he's perhaps Mr. 4% or Mr. 12%, <laughs> depending on what kind of polls. But he has always played the contraries. He has a situation where there are two candidates who will cannibalize each other, who will uh, destroy each other. That's Macron and Valls. I agree with uh, Christine. Uh, the fact that 
Hollande has literally never, just once and only by implication, spoken against Macron is a bit strange. Uh, Macron himself is courting some uh, uh, left of Val themes, multiculturalist uh, immigration and so forth, and uh, the reformist themes uh, uh, from Hollande's uh, second half of mandate. Uh, everything is still possible. I, I, I'm sorry to say, Mr. Valls, to me, sounds like a very potent uh, mini Sarkozy, uh, Minister of the Interior. He's very strong on the security uh, issues, identity issues, community issues. He doesn't really leave, a, he hasn't really left a mark in other areas. So uh, uh, maybe it's uh, uh, a little presumptuous to say that. But I, I, I think it's between Hollande and, and, and Macron on the left. So do you think that there's any case where Valls is going to run against Hollande or will he only run if in the primaries? If Hollande? No, I think he could, he, could, he, could, he could very well run. But once he runs, he's got a lot of enemies within the Socialist Party, for example. Yeah, there's another character who should be mentioned, and that is Mélenchon. Uh, Jean-Louis Mélenchon, who is on, on the far left, uh, who, who is a very uh, talented speaker, by the way, and who is running quite high in the polls. Uh, I think the, the latest figure, correct me, Francois, if I'm wrong, I think it's around 16%. Yes. 16%. yes. Uh, Mélenchon doesn't want to run uh, uh, within the socialist primary, he, he wants to run as a candidate to the presidential election on his own. Uh, within the socialist primary, you have other uh, candidates who are more leftist, so to speak, than Hollande would be, and certainly than Valls, that Valls would be, uh, like Amon. There's even a theory according to which... Uh, uh, Amon could do better than than Hollande in the socialist practice. Who is Amon? Amon uh, used to be a junior minister for education and he left government uh, because he disagreed with uh, the economic policies at some, at some stage. Yeah, but it's Mélenchon who can draw the far-left vote, uh, who is, as you said, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, eloquent speaker. Yet, if you remember yeah. the, 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 the last round of elections, when it came to real elections, that is when people have to, had to choose expressing their discontent either to the far left or the far right, they deserted the far left and voted for the far right. And he was deeply disappointed, he and his supporters. And that would play again. So maybe we should switch now to, to um, Marine Le Pen. She's been part of our conversation throughout. She is the um, main story in this election. Um, she's the person that everybody else is uh, sizing themselves up against. Um, everyone seems to agree that it's highly likely that she will be in the second round. Um, what kind of a candidate is she? Is she... Uh, somebody that is people are right outside of France to be um, very worried about? Or is she going to be a more normal politician than people have come to, to see the National Front as? 
Well, I mean, she has a heavy uh, baggage and quite a heredity. Again, she has been very smart in ousting her dear old papa and his anti-Semitic habits. Uh, she has been very smart in making uh, the far-right uh, party more uh, look more respectable. She relies very much on uh, Florian Philippot, who is another of those enarch, you know, another uh, <laughs> perfectly fine products of the French uh, system. Uh, Philippot, who has uh, been very influential and in, in, in helping uh, Marine Le Pen in transforming uh, the party. But uh, as uh, we said before, so far, uh, her, her platform consists uh, uh, of hitting at everything uh, that's um, actually in, in play. So, the, and she's been very careful also not to talk too much. Once the actual presidential campaign starts, she will have to come forward uh, with some uh, proposals, and she cannot just, uh, uh, you know, be uh, content or, or, or be. Uh, uh, how could I put it? She, she she will have to say something else than I'm against Brussels and I'm against this and I'm against that. Yeah. Uh, but what, um, uh, what but she's been she's been very careful, you know, uh, about uh, a dimension of. Uh, the problem which we haven't talked about yet, which is the Muslim issue in France. And that, of course, is paying for her, uh, but she's careful about not indulging anymore into overtly racist arguments. But what do we think that she actually wants to do? Because the National Front used to be in favour of withdrawing from the euro, but she sort of carefully dropped that particular idea. I think she has talked about having a, a referendum and renegotiating the terms of French membership. But um, has she been clear about what kind of reforms she'd want to do if she did have a referendum? She has, but uh, I'm even more worried than, than, than Christine is because uh, I'm waiting for her to call her Muti, uh, Muti Le Pen, as they call Muti Merkel, because she's so calm and tranquil and quiet and reassuring. You know, she's your neighbor next door who perhaps could give you a hand uh, and who is a little stronger than you are. That's how she comes through. And she has learned from her dad. When I was a child, I lived in an electoral district where the dad was always a candidate. And he would go around all shops and promise shopkeepers that he would cancel out income tax, period. And he got their votes doing that. And she, she's learned from that. But she's also learned from Trump. Did Trump put out a real program? No, never. Did he answer the propositions by others? No, never. And he got elected. So it's very likely that she's going to try and keep this stance. Otherwise, she has a tremendous contradiction that runs within her own party. And that's more and more visible, especially with uh, uh, her namesake, Le Pen's granddaughter, uh, almost being competitive with her. Uh, there are those who are uh, pro-business, liberal, uh, not so much anti-European, in fact, but against taxes and you, you know, cut out subsidies and so forth. I would say arch liberals. And there is the old diehard ultra-right, uh, which in a way Florian Philippot has also 
the, the guy who was who was mentioned by by by, by Christine has also brought a, a kind of lefty social uh, undertone. Uh, and the two don't really mix well together, so that the moment she gets a real program, uh, she begins having contradiction with her various constituencies. So my guess is she will ride the campaign to the end, uh, trying to avoid those commitments. And, 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 and if what we just said is right, that is that the candidate who faces her doesn't have an absolutely strong and clear uh, uh, program and mandate, she's got a chance to win. And, but you basically both seem to think that beneath the calm exterior, what one has here is a candidate who's way outside of the, the kind of realm of, of uh, political normality when it comes to both domestic and foreign policy, that there will be very tough measures taken against Muslims, against immigrants, that she will... Uh, change French foreign policy in a dramatic way that she will uh, take a sledgehammer well, to what's left of the European Union? Well, her first trip would certainly be to Moscow. I yeah. mean, one, one should not forget that uh, there is indeed uh, Russian money uh, which used to go through a Czech bank of sorts, uh, supporting uh, the Front National. And of course, uh, the soft power uh, uh, very uh, effectively uh, developed by the Kremlin has been working very much uh, in favor of Marine Le Pen in France, uh, as it has in Holland with uh, Wilders and in other European countries. And I think one should not underestimate uh, the impact of uh, Mr. Putin's own scheme when it turns to uh, democratic elections in Europe. Uh, any of those elections about to come uh, in, in the uh, next year. Uh, Marine Le Pen, in, as president, uh, what would she actually do? It's still very hazy. And again, she's a contrarian. She's against the system, so she would do, you know, everything would be different. Okay, but what would actually be different? She certainly wouldn't hit at the, 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 the welfare system, because that's very much part of what his core constituency worries about. Uh, she wouldn't hit at uh, uh, civil servants uh, who are in great numbers. And uh, he, he wouldn't touch uh, that, if only because that's also a constituency for her. It was uh, very interesting and indeed worrying to see that when the police went on strike a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was not uh, the police unions uh, which decided to go on strike. These were, uh, you know, rank and file. Uh, police and uh, indeed the Front National is scoring uh, much more in those ranks than before and the same goes by the way for teachers. So I think she would be an extremely conservative uh, when it comes to uh, the, the very pillars of the French system. Her economic policy is a, is a bag of nuisance so it's very difficult again to, to see what she would actually do uh, but she will have a free ride in this election 
you know, as long as uh, she can avoid actually uh, spelling out what her real plan for uh, to run the country are. Okay, so um, we've got, I think, a pretty good idea of who all the candidates are. So we have one thing left to do, which is to to get your predictions about what's actually going to happen during these two. Uh. <laughs> oh, sorry, do, you, do you want to go first? <laughs> It's going to be, uh, I mean, it depends on November 27, who comes out of the primary. Uh, if it's Sarkozy, it's going to be a fight to the finish uh, with Marine Le Pen. Uh, I would guess he would win that fight. Uh, if he's not incapacitated, by the way, by a legal prosecution, because he's perpetually being targeted by the... By, by 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 justice and, and and perhaps by politics behind justice. Uh, if it's Juppé, I'm unfortunately not very optimistic. Although the polls say he would win handsomely uh, with uh, Marine Le Pen, but I don't really see Juppé campaigning very strongly. He seems to think he can be elected on his face and on his moderation, and that's dangerous. Uh, that's okay. probably the situation. I don't believe in anybody else. And what, what about you, Christine? I think we should remember the way our political system works, which again is totally different from the American one. Uh, remember 2002, when uh, Jean-Marie Le Pen, the father, defeated the outgoing Prime Minister Jospin, and that was a huge shock in the country. And there was indeed the sort of union sacrée the Front Républicain, uh, a sort of a coalition of uh, all uh, people to vote against uh, Le Pen. And that's how uh, Chirac got elected with, I don't think, I think 83 or more than 80% of the votes. Alas, he didn't do anything afterwards. But uh, the assumption is that this time around, uh, this, the same uh, blocking uh, chemistry, uh, the same coalition could work, but at, at a much lower level. Uh, but again, with a two-round direct voting, uh, I think you would still, but maybe I'm over-optimistic, and, you know, who there is makes predictions these days, but uh, I think that uh, whoever will be the conservative candidate uh, after November 27th, will win over Marine Le Pen because uh, voters from the left and from the center or from whenever would still uh, sort of coalesce to vote against the Front National. I and personally he... believe that Juppé will make it uh, more so than Sarkozy because there are many people uh, who just do not want Sarkozy back. Now, will these people actually bother to go and vote at, at, the, uh, uh, at those primaries uh, this coming Sunday and Sunday after next? That remains to be seen. So do either of you think there's any chance that Marine Le Pen could win on the first round because the rest of the votes are, are split so many different ways between Mélenchon and Macron and uh, Hollande and... Whoever the no, no, no. That, that's mathematically no, impossible. No, that's impossible. That's impossible. Okay. It couldn't be over 50%. That's impossible. Uh, yeah. 
as well. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We'll, I'm sure, come back many times between now and the elections in May. Um, we have one final part of this podcast, which is the bookshelf segment. Francois, what's on your bookshelf at the moment? Uh, it's a novel that takes us far away from this by the last novel by Amos Oz called Judas, which just got translated, I think, in French, but also recently in English. And it's a marvelous novel that symbolizes... Uh, both the dilemma of Israel between engaging and the two-state issue and Zionism, seen through history and through two very interesting characters. And he also gets into a much wider metaphor between Judas and the Christ, uh, Jewish uh, religion and Christianity. Uh, it's a wonderful parable between the theme of identity, as many people see it now, and the theme of universalism. And it's a wonderful novel, by the way. I've been too, saying too much about it. As a novel, it stands by itself. Okay, what about you, Christine? Well, I'm actually reading an essay which uh, fits very well into our discussion, uh, by the way. Uh, it's an essay by uh, uh, Mark Lilla, who is uh, a Columbia professor of humanities in New York. Uh, and he's just, uh, published uh, something called The Shipwrecked Mind on Political yes. Reaction. And it's fascinating because uh, it explains, it describes and explains, uh, you know, populism all over. Uh, of course, what happened with Trump, but also what we have seen happening much earlier on uh, in Hungary, in Poland, what, what we will see in Austria. Uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, there are also the Dutch elections to watch uh, next March. There's the Italian referendum uh, in in a couple of weeks too, and of course there's France. and I, And I find that essay uh, very illuminating. Uh, unfortunately, very dark too about uh, the forces uh, that are at play in our Western world. I agree. It's a fantastic piece of writing, which has got a very memorable line in it about how hopes can easily be disappointed, but the power of nostalgia is that you can't disappoint it. So um, I'm going to recommend um, both the Sarkozy piece, particularly to our French friends, because if they haven't heard what Sarkozy is saying in France, maybe you should go to the Financial Times and, and have a look and, on their op-ed page. And also, um, I want to give a shout out to Christine's uh, weekly uh, radio show, uh, Affaires étrangères, which is uh, available on iTunes and all sorts of other platforms uh, and on the internet itself, if you if you want to um, if you want to listen to it. Um, Thank you, that, Mark. That brings uh, a fascinating discussion to an end. I went a bit over time because uh, it was so meaty and there were so many interesting things going on. If you have enjoyed it, please uh, do tweet about it, write about it on your Facebook page, post on on ECFR's Facebook page. Um, or um, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud or MixCloud or whatever platform it is you're using to listen to this podcast. We have put links up to all the recommendations on our website, which is www.ecfr.eu slash podcasts. 
But for now, from Christine Urquent, François Goodman, and myself, Mark Leonard, it's goodbye. The researcher of ECFR's podcast is Ulrike Franke, and our editor is Katharina Botel-Atzinaro.